You're listening to Fantasy Nightcap, a Fantasy Football Astronauts production, with your hosts, Fox and Shane. Welcome to the Fantasy Nightcap. Grab a drink, kick back, and relax. I'm actually just a patron at the bar tonight, but we have our regular bartender back again so glad to have him back, Fox. And tonight, joining us, we have our friend and colleague, Nate Christian. How are you guys doing tonight? Oh, I am. I'm excited to be here. Uh, I got my drink, my raspberry seltzer. Ooh. Nice, nice. Not hard seltzer, just regular <laughs> seltzer. <laughs> That's okay. It is not a requirement to drink an adult beverage on the fantasy nightcap. It's just recommended. Indeed, and encouraged. So, um, Nate, before we really get going, since you already told us what you're drinking, where can we find you and what are you working on right now? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at NateNFL. Um, I just finished up with the draft, um, all that speculation. We know we've all been about that. I did 30 Days, 30 Prospects. There's a thread at the top of my profile with uh, my top 30 prospects before the draft. It's kind of crazy now. Uh, it was kind of a disappointing, underwhelming draft, so who knows what's coming up next, but uh, find me over the dynasty rewind, uh, dynastyowner.com as well as dynasty nerds. Awesome. Yeah. I loved that thread by the way. Um, that was really fun to read, um, and prospects. So, uh, thanks Fox. What you drinking tonight, buddy? I'm trying something new. I have navigator bourbon and it's from, um, Kentucky and they actually finish it in navigator red wine um barrel so actually opening it up it smells like a red wine so Interesting. It's, it's very good very smooth does it taste does it have any kind of taste of red wine um a, a little bit of a hint of one but i'd say it's more in the smell okay got it but yeah it's very smooth very good good to know um highly my, recommend my uh young palate we'll call it is not a <laughs> of wine um so that that concerned me but if it's just in the smell i'll probably like it still yeah i'm not a huge wine fan either it's my next adventure is to is to get into wine yeah um well i'm still working on getting into ipas which is funny because that's actually what i'm drinking tonight um i'm drinking steel hands tropical ipa it's brewed here in uh case south carolina so not too far from me here in greenville i don't think um it's really good I would, I will definitely be getting this again. Uh, this is still left over from the first six pack I got from it, but it's really good. Yeah, I was going to say, if you are trying to get into IPAs, like a hazy or tropical types yeah. are the ones you want to get into first because they won't be as um, brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not as no. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm, my, my problem is, is the hoppiness. So I'm loving some tropical IPAs. Yes, Elysian and Stone both have really good hazy and tropical ones. Oh, speaking yeah. of, and y'all are going to need to talk for a minute because I got to find it. But on at my favorite barbecue restaurant here, they had a Stone beer, and it was really freaking good. I will say with IPAs, I'm not a big IPA fan, but when it's draft IPA, I enjoy it a lot more. I agree. Bottled and canned, I don't really like IPAs, but when they're draft beers, uh, I definitely can can have a couple yes definitely definitely a difference in taste but um 
yeah, I, I was the same way. I didn't drink anything until um, we moved down to San Diego and Stone's right down the street. So that's all that you really can get around here. So now I appreciate it. But when we first moved down here, I don't think I drank anything other than like, I mean, Heineken was my outside of like light beers or something like that. And then even though you can't find at liquor stores anymore because it's all just IPAs. Yeah. Last time I was in San Diego, uh, I went to uh, Coronado Brewing Company. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's a good one. So it was Stone, Buena Vista, Salt and Lime Lager. Mm, That one's good. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Had it at uh, Max Speed Shop here in Greenville and then saw it on another, wherever we, where the hell did we go? Saw it at another restaurant. Yeah. That's one of their newer ones that they've done a like really big push for because it's not as much of an IPA as it is, you know, they're. They're, that's their branching out a little bit so other people can drink their beer. Exactly. <laughs> so I like it. Um, okay, so tonight what we're going to do is talk just immediate reaction post-draft. Um, so I've got a few questions uh, to talk about our favorite picks, most surprising, and then kind of some more fantasy-relevant questions as well. So with that being said, y'all ready to talk some football? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. All righty. Um, so first question is, what was your favorite pick in the first round? And Nate, as our guest, I'll let you go first. All right. Um, so a very biased answer. Um, I'm a big Baltimore Ravens fan. So the Rashad Bateman pick was absolutely my favorite pick of the first round. Uh, I really didn't think he was going to drop that far. And I think the Ravens did a great job of you know, putting a smoke screen out there. Uh, a couple weeks ago, there was a press conference and Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh came out and said that they were insulted that anyone was questioning their wide receiver core. And rumor <laughs> has it that the Packers and uh, the Saints were looking at Bateman and they didn't think the Ravens were going to draft Bateman. So they were able to kind of play that smoke screen, pick him up, didn't have to worry about anyone you know, jumping in front of them. So I love that pick. It's exactly what this offense needs. Should that would have been him. amazing if he went to Green Bay. Yeah, it flipping would have. Which, when <laughs> we get to a certain question that I have later, you'll understand my pick for that question. Um, <laughs> Fox, should we tell him how you feel about Lamar? Or should we I, ha- I hate Lamar Jackson. <laughs> with, with a passion, but yeah. I'll, I'll I'll tone it down today. <laughs> Nate, you might want to go I listen to some that. of our previous uh, episodes just just so you can feel the vitriol that that Fox has for Lamar Jackson. It gets a little added a little added bonus when whiskey gets involved because oh yeah, I bet <laughs> normally it's a little toned down. But so Fox, who's your favorite pick? Uh, Najee Harris was mine, and I know the the Steelers were saying you know that's who they were looking at, but. You know, everybody can say that until they finally pick it. And I, I think it's a perfect spot for him, um, even though I like Beanie Snell. But I'd rather yeah. much much rather have Harris there, but totally. it hurts a little bit. What, what's weird is, is, like, a lot of people were kind of crapping on that draft pick because they're like, who's he going to run behind? Because their, their <laughs> offensive yeah. line was depleted. And yeah. I feel like we ended up addressing that later on in the draft, but I st- it's still, to me, it was their biggest need, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and they addressed it with the best player at that position. Absolutely. So, I love yep. the pick. Um, Nate, did, what do you think about it? 
Yeah, uh, I absolutely love Najee Harris, and you know I obviously hate the Steelers, but this is the perfect pick. Yeah. It's the perfect landing spot for Najee. Um, beyond maybe like the Dolphins, maybe that would have been a better landing spot, but the Dolphins are too smart to spend high draft capital on a running back. So uh, he goes to the Steelers, and yeah, I think they'll figure out the offensive line. You know, it'll be decent enough, and Najee has the pass catching upside. So I don't, I'm not really worried about it at all. I know some people are trying to like say that it's not a great landing spot. But we've been talking about this for months. Yeah. It's it's the perfect landing spot. Totally, totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, and because you stole my pick, Box, I had to think really hard. <laughs> That's why I jumped in here first. <laughs> who my favorite pick was. Um, so I'm kind of going with a cop-out answer, I think. Um, but mine's Trevor Lawrence. Um, he's so, like, he truly is a generational talent, in my opinion. He's got everything you need from arm strength to mobility to decision-making um, to be able to lead the Jacksonville Jaguars out of mediocrity. Um, and then they ended up adding some weapons for him, boosted his offensive line. I feel like he – and I love that they added Etienne to give him his running back that he's been with for the past three years. Um, but RIP to my James Robinson shares. Um, Glad to not own any. But I, th- mm. I think he's going to do great things in that city. Um, and a lot like – if you're a, a Justin Fields truther, people are like, he never improved. Well, his QBR and his um, pass, I think QBR or passer rating, one of the two, both increased every year, and his completion percentage increased every year that he was in school. So you can't say he never improved because he did. Um, and he, he had the stats to back it up, so it's hard to improve going from a stellar freshman year when you start off so hot. So that's kind of – I love the pick. I think it's going to be a great, great thing for that city and that team. I agree. Yep. Sweet. That was easy. He's, he's the top guy. So, <laughs> so um, with that, we're moving on to our next question. Who is the most surprising pick? And this could have been the entire draft. We actually all went with first round picks. Um, and I, I think there's, I mean, these are all pretty valid answers. So, um, Fox, I'll let you start this one off. Who is your most surprising pick of the draft? Uh, Kadarius Tony for me. I, I think it was a little bit of a reach for him, especially with a lot of the talent that was still on the board yeah. there. I mean, I'll, I'll take it cause I'm a Cowboys fan. So the giants can grab what they want, but I don't know. It just didn't make sense to me. I mean, I, he went before Bateman, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I would, uh, if Bateman had gone to the Giants, I'd, I'd love that pick. Yeah, but, me too. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand that move. Uh, Bateman, Elijah Moore, and I'm trying to think. There's probably a couple others that he – Terrence Marshall. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the wide receivers fell, which was really, really shocking yeah. to me. Yes. Um, but he went before a couple of guys, even in the, the end of the first, early second, that I was like – I don't know if I would have taken Tony here, so I I totally yeah. agree with that. Well, then to hear it was it was Meyer right that said he was heartbroken that they took him. Yeah, yeah. That that made no sense to me. I don't understand why you would be. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny that you mentioned that because I was on uh, FYF Front Yard Fantasy show today, and they were talking about that too. How Meyer said that he was the one person he was sad to see get picked before their next first round pick was Kadarius Tony. Um, and I agree with you, Fox. I don't really get that. I no. think there were, I think it, 
I think it makes sense. Um, not that I think Kadarius Tony is even, you know, worth a first rounder in my yeah. eyes, but he would have been the perfect, you know, playmaker for Urban Meyer to use in that kind of Curtis Samuel role yeah. we're all looking for with the Jaguars, you know, slot in motion out of the backfield. He's that versatile player that could be used in that offense. You know, it might be great for fantasy football. It might not be. But, you know, he definitely fit that mold yeah. of, like, that Percy Harvin that Urban Meyer wanted to have. That makes sense. That makes so, sense. Uh, now, does, does this sink Sterling Shepard, or is this a Darius Slayton hit? It's definitely more of a Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard, you know, he plays all the positions. Um, Slayton is definitely – see, Slayton's hurt by the Kenny Galladay signing because right. Slayton was an ex-receiver, and Galladay is an ex-receiver. Sterling Shepard, you know, he can play the Z, he can play the Y. Um, Tony's just a slot receiver, I think. So, I mean, I think it hurts Sterling Shepard more, but overall from the offseason, I think I think that Slayton's probably hurt the most just because of the Galladay signing. Yeah. No, and that's a good point that you bring up about the uh, Kadarius Tony fit in that Percy Harvin role. I didn't even really think about that. Um, and to bring that up too, like they have LaVisca, but – Tony's speed is so much of a game changer versus LaVisca's that I think he would have fit that role better. Now, I don't think that would have necessarily eliminated LaVisca if he had gone there. Um, they just would have been used differently. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Urban Meyer plans to use LaVisca Chenault in that role. Yeah. I think I think he sees I think Chenault is an X receiver. I think he can develop into an alpha receiver. Yeah. He's big, he's strong, he's great after the catch. I don't think you need to like, you know, manufacture touches out of the middle of the, the field for that guy. I think he's talented enough and he'll take a step up with Trevor Lawrence to be the outside receiver. Yeah. Um, you can find a guy who's a little bit less talented and more athletic to be that middle of the field guy. Yeah, totally. I'm hoping so. Cause I just made a trade for him. So <laughs> did you um, like that one, Shane? That was a nice trade. I like that a lot for you actually. So your boy, uh, Papa Conks is still trying to get me to trade. No, four, don't know six. So, um, shout out to Papa Conks, love you, dude. Um, so Nate, I'm gonna make you go last here. I'm gonna go Justin Fields as the most surprising pick for me, and he, it's not because of where he went or like what slot he was drafted in. It's because of the fact that Chicago actually traded up, um, and I love it. Like I love that they traded up because I think it's gonna make that offense click. Or, or not even necessarily necessarily click, but take it to that next level. So for me, this is a stock up for Mooney, A-Rob, Komet, mm-hmm. Montgomery, and Cohen because he's going to make that off. He's going to add a, a threat to that offense that hasn't been there before, which is an accurate passer. Um, <laughs> but he's also got his legs. So that's going to add, like, they're going to have to stay honest on the quarterback and making sure he doesn't run, which should help open up the field for everybody else. So I think Mm -hmm. the surprising part was just that they actually moved up instead of sitting back and seeing who fell. Um, And I love that they had the aggressiveness to go and do that. So your answer is the bears. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was shocked. They jumped up for that. Yeah. Did you guys hear that the Vikings were ready to pick fields? Yeah. 14. I did not. But that's what I don't understand. Like, cool. You can come out and say that, but, why not make the move to do it? Yeah. That's what I don't get. Like you can say it all you want, but the Bears actually pulled the trigger and 
got what they needed. Yeah, yeah. totally agree. So right away, is Justin Fields the best quarterback Allen Robinson's ever played with? Oh, 110%. Absolutely. <laughs> Since high school, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that fit. I think it's great for um, Allen Robinson, but I also think it's really good for Darnell Mooney yeah. because I think Fields has a nice deep ball and can unlock Mooney. Yep. You know, last year Mooney was open a lot all the time, he's a really but Nick guy. Foles and Trubisky could not get anywhere close no. to him because it was embarrassing. I, I like Trubisky and Fox. Cover yours for a minute. I think like Lamar, if Trubisky was used in the right offense. Wow, I'm I'm I don't like where this is going. You're comparing Lamar Jackson to Mitchell Trubisky. No, no, no. So Lamar took off when he was put in the right offense, right? He's fantasy. He's top five fantasy quarterback because he's he, they use him like he needs to be used. But That's he's not top five. Is. What? But he's not top five. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Trubisky. I'm not saying Trubisky would be anywhere close to top five. I'm saying if Trubisky was used in the right offense, he would be a serviceable enough quarterback. And we've seen that before. Like, Oh, I was in, saying Lamar's not a top five. I, I know. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Shut your mouth. <laughs> um, I think Mitch could be a QB two if he was used in the right offense. Instead, he's a QB three or worse. So that's kind of my point. And I totally forgot what else we were talking about because Fox wouldn't shut up about Lamar. <laughs> I, I get, I, I get it though. Like the Bears should have got Mitchell Trubisky running out of the pocket, yeah. you know, on bootlegs and stuff. They and they just didn't. Yeah, they, you know, they, they totally. I don't know why Trubisky is not an incredible quarterback at all, but they they didn't help him out at all. Exactly. Either, so. That's right. that's my whole point. So, hopefully, Fields is is talented enough to overcome that. Because it doesn't think that um, they're necessarily going to do that. What the, I just got a sleeper alert saying Aaron Rodgers is intrigued by the Raiders. What the French toast? I'm sorry, no, no one's intrigued by the Raiders. No, going to go buy some uh, Brian Edwards, <laughs> Brian Edwards, Henry Ruggs. Um, okay, so Nate, who is the most surprising pick in the in the draft for you? Yeah, this one absolutely shattered me. Um, <laughs> it's Travis Etienne to the Jaguars. Um, number one, I'm not like the biggest James Robinson stand. Um, I only have like three shares, I think, of my 10 teams. Um, but in those three leagues I had him, I won my league this year in all three of those. So, you know, it was the best waiver wire pickup, right? Yeah. So. I was in all three of those leagues. I went kind of like zero running back, just kind of how it worked out. So James Robinson was carrying my running back squad. Nice. So now I'm just pissed off about it. Um, also, I like Travis Etienne. He's my running back too before the draft. Um, so I kind of feel like this kind of limits him. You know, we, I've seen people talk about like an Ingram Camara kind of relationship out of the backfield. And that's like best case scenario. Um, I just... It sucks for fantasy football, but just from a team building standpoint, it makes no sense to totally. get a guy in the uh, running back in the first round when you have an undrafted, super cheap running back for the next three years yep. in James Robinson. Totally um, agree with that part. It, it, it just doesn't make sense. So it was surprising for fantasy football, but even more surprising just as a team build. I mean, know? do you think the um, logic behind it was because they drafted Lawrence? 
I mean, they definitely played a part. I mean, the, the reports came out like, yeah, Lawrence, you know, I'm sure, you know, Lawrence has known he's going to Jackson for the past right. months. So he was talking to Meyer and he was like, yeah, I really like ETN, you know, and ETN offers something different to James Robinson. You know, one thing with ETN is I never expect him to be a workhorse running back. So this is kind of fits. And like, I, I like it from an offensive like NFL scheme. You know, I like the ground pound with James Robinson and then the, you know, coming out of the backfield in the air with Travis ETN, but it's not worth a first round pick no. and it screws my fantasy teams over. I like the idea of it. Just, I feel like the value wasn't there I agree. for a team that has a lot of holes. Exactly. Yeah, I, that, that's, I think what was more shocking. Yep. It's, it, it's not a need. It's not, it's not like the Kansas City Chiefs last year picking Clyde Edwards Hilaire because they had exactly. a, you know a Super Bowl winning team. This is the Jaguars. Yeah. yeah. No, and I I'll disagree with you, Nate. And I don't even know if it's disagreeing, but I like Travis Etienne to me has always had the potential to be a three down back. In my opinion, he's done it throughout his college career and produced throughout his college career. So anyone that said like he's just a receiving back or anything like that, I'm like, have you been watching for the past three years? Um. And this year was probably his worst year rushing, but mm-hmm. he upped his receiving game a ton, which I a think it was huge for his value. And I could have seen him going in the first and be and probably being the second running back off the board after uh, Najee. But the fact that he went to Jacksonville, I was just like, wow, because it it didn't make sense, kind of like you you totally just outlined. So um, I don't know. There's part of me that thinks. Maybe Etienne ends up winning the job outright um, at some point in the year, and then RIP to James Robinson. Um, I hope that they didn't draft him in the first round to use him as a third down back, like it was reported during the draft, because um, that would be stupid. That yep. would be extremely stupid. So, um, Nate, just because it kind of flows, who's your worst pick in the NFL draft? Yeah, so what I believe was the worst pick in the entire draft was the Jaguars selecting Travis Etienne (laughs) (laughs) for the reasons I just stated. It makes no sense from an NFL standpoint. Um, Now I don't think this is actually going to happen, but if the Jaguars decide to trade James Robinson to say the Atlanta Falcons for like a third round, that would be amazing. I don't hate the idea of picking Etienne in the first so bad. It's just when you have James Robinson on your team, I mean, but we've seen this happen time and time again. You know, you have Philip Lindsay and you just don't want to give him the ball. You know, you have undrafted free agents and you're like, oh, well, they're undrafted. So even though they've produced, we can't trust them. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I think the NFL is just stupid. You know? I totally agree. I think they proved that through this draft. too. <laughs> uh, so let me ask you this question that's not on the show sheet. So be ready. Um, who is a – and this isn't even – I think I know your answer technically, but who was worse from a fantasy perspective? Travis Etienne getting drafted by the Jaguars or Javante Williams getting drafted by the Broncos? Oh, man, this is easy. Uh, Etienne's definitely worse. I, I love the Javante Williams landing yep. spot. Actually, um, I'm, I think... I wrote about the Broncos as a sneaky landing spot for running backs um, for the past couple months. Because who's there? Melvin Gordon, Melvin right? Gordon. Melvin Gordon did not look great last year. Mike Boone. I do like Mike Boone, but it's Mike Boone. Okay. Totally. So, I was just listing who was there. I like Javante Williams a lot, this landing spot. And 
I think he he absolutely takes over the whole you know RB one job on that team midway through the season. Melvin Gordon is is uh going to become a shell of himself this year. I think. Yeah. I think he's going to just kind of really fall off the cliff this year, and Javante Williams is going to be the starting running back for that team by week nine. Hundred percent. No, I I agree. Um, I just wanted to kind of get your perspective. I didn't love the landing spot, but I also there's a part of me that's like they've got to be trading Melvin Gordon or cutting him or something because they. I I think he gets cut. No one's going to take him. I think he gets cut. Yeah. Yeah, there's a chance of that too. Yeah, and that's a great offense to be a part of, man. If even if they don't have a you know a great quarterback, you know Drew Locke is what he is. Uh, I don't think he'll blow us out of the water, but you know. He's enough of a gunslinger that he might be able to support a couple good wide receivers for fantasy. But what football. if he gets Aaron Rodgers? If he gets Aaron Rodgers, oh, then now uh, <laughs> it's gonna happen, man. Then, then we're happy. We're happy. I have a lot of Jerry Judy shares, so I'll be happy. It's gonna happen, and I, I'm hoping it happens for my Tim Patrick shares. I think he's still a free agent, technically. No, Sarnelli told he was me he was a restricted free agent. Twenty-one, I think. Yeah, I think he's still locked up. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, Fox. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Who's your worst pick of the draft? Mine's Bateman, man. Why? <laughs> because you get the uh, bottom half, or not even that. You get towards the bottom of completion percentage in Lamar Jackson. Now, the only benefit Bateman has is he can make circus catches, which he's going to need to do because the ball's never going to be on target. Um, see, I'm just watching, just... just watching how many times Hollywood Brown was overthrown or Mark Andrews was over overthrown is just the most heartbreaking thing to see. Cause it, it's just, it's trash. And I, 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 it, it's, it's a, it's a shame because the talent is there, but I've explained this to Shane, Nate, that I think Lamar Jackson is a one-trick pony. And he's the one that isn't smart enough to – it was in college and it's and it's progressed into the NFL. Like, I think it was the Houston game in college where they're like, hey, guys, all Lamar Jackson does is run. If he gets in trouble, he runs. He doesn't know how to throw the ball, and they shut him down. And from then on, I was like, I don't ever want to stock in him. He'll surprise. And then I think he'll, he's just not smart enough to me. He's not smart enough to figure out that his feet aren't always the answer. And sure. He's got some spectacular runs. I don't discredit that. Like, I think he's a fantastic runner. Dude's unreal, has unreal athleticism and you can't deny that, but I don't think he's smart enough to adjust to actually be, a passing quarterback where, okay, my legs aren't going to take care of me for my whole career. Yeah. And I've, I mean, I can't, I kind of think he proved that where his percentage went up uh, the season before, and then it dropped back down again to where he's hovering at like 64%. So I, I just think that as much as the talent is there, I don't think the quarterback's the best option for him, but I hope it. I, I'm hoping he proves it wrong, but I, I don't think it happens. Nate, I'll let you rebuttal in just a second. But 
<laughs> I like the Bateman pick simply because I think he's a different type of receiver than Hollywood Brown. To me, Hollywood Brown's just a deep threat. Oh, no, 100% agree. So I think with that in mind, Bateman will be able to get open more than than just the deep ball. And That's I think true. and I think the deep ball is probably where Lamar struggles the most and Nate you can probably you can correct me if I'm wrong here. But with that being said, I think Bateman will work more underneath and middle of the field stuff where it's not going to have to rely as much on Lamar's deep ball accuracy. No, but so, my my only fear there is that it's is if the pocket breaks down his first inclination is going to be, I'm going to run instead yeah. of throw. So I think you get boned in that aspect. Whereas yeah. I, I totally agree. I think Bateman is 100%, you know, the guy over Brown. Um, Duvenary's, I think, pushed out because of this. And and what, Wallace? Kylan Wallace, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think those two are your guys. And then I think Brown's going to have flash games, and that's it. But I'd like to hear your thoughts on that, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could do a whole podcast on my thoughts on this. Um, I'll keep it. I'll keep keep it short, though. Um, Lamar, I, I understand he's not, you know, the most incredible passer, I and mean, he certainly isn't um, yet. And he had a really good year, his MVP season. Uh, he was hitting on the deep balls last year. He wasn't. Um, that's a that's a good beer, Shane. I like that one a lot, actually. <laughs> Um, Sorry for but, the interruption. I'm sipping oh, beers to Hell or High Mango. Straight from California. Who sent it to me? That's a good one. Yeah, so I'm looking at some stats here. Just pulled them up real quick. And Lamar Jackson's own target rate is actually just about the same as Matt Ryan's and higher than Tom Brady's. His bad throw rate is also lower than Tom Brady's, uh, lower than Justin Herbert, lower than Matthew Stafford. Lower than Baker Mayfield. Um, I think he is a very underrated passer, passer because he doesn't pass the ball as much. Um, he also was like top five with drop rate. Um, his yeah, wide receivers are not doing him any favors. No. Also, we fired our wide receiving uh, entire staff basically because uh, a lot of analysts came out as well as players coming out saying that the passing concepts were so simple that you know no one could get open. Um, so I think there's a lot to do there. Like I said, I don't think Lamar Jackson, you know, is the you know perfect pocket passer. But I think, I think he has, you know, the scheme can definitely help him out. But regardless of that, uh, I think Bateman is just fits this offense because he can play inside outside. You know, I I kind of comp him to, I think he can have a very similar production profile to Keenan Allen. I like that. Um, a guy you can put inside outside. You know, you can work the middle of the field with Lamar Jackson. You can put him on the outside when you need him to. Um, they, they play Hollywood inside outside as well. So I think it just offers them some versatility. Uh, I like the pick a lot. You know, I understand it might not be the best pick for fantasy football, but at the same time, Bateman is by far the wide receiver one on that. Oh, team. 100%. Yeah, so. Totally. Yeah. And that, I think that's more where I'm looking at is fantasy wise, I'm not stoked on it. NFL wise, I'm, I'm more about it just because I, I think that could actually help Lamar be better. Because you're right. I mean, there are the drop issues, but you know, in the end, I think he's still he still thinks to run before he's going to do anything else. You know, where if he can clean that up a little bit and actually look for those guys, I think that's where it can improve. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. 
so my worst pick, I've got two. Um, and I'll try not to spend too much time on the first one because I really want to talk about the second one. First one's Kadarius Tony. Um, like just because we've already talked about it, I think it was a reach. I think there were better options um, that would have made that team a better football team. Um, I this kind of fits a a need, but like I said, there's better options. I think that were more talented, could do more with the ball and um, maybe have complimented the team a little bit better. This is a compliment to what they already have, but it could have been better in my pick. The other one is Eric Stokes, the Green Bay Packers' first-round pick. And do you know why it was the worst pick in the draft, Fox? Because they didn't take a receiver. Ding, 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 ding! We have a winner. Um, I'm going to put this as lightly as I can. Screw the Packers. For not taking a receiver in ten rounds in the draft of the last two drafts, it literally took them to trade up in the third round of this draft to go get Amari Rodgers, which I loved. I like that pick. Yeah, I loved that pick. Um, I think he can actually probably end up being the wide receiver two in Green Bay, just because I'm not a huge fan of Lazard, and Amari Rodgers is probably a better player already than MVS. But the fact that there was still Elijah Moore, um, Terrence Marshall, Seth Williams, um, so, uh, Amari Rogers, like there's so many options still on the board at the 29th pick in the draft, and they took a corner. And it wasn't one of the top corners either. Like if this had been like Asante Samuel Jr. or another corner that was a little more well-known, I would have been fine with it. But the fact that it's Eric Stokes, I'm like, why? And yes, corner was also a need for the Packers. But I feel like... There was enough depth there to, to grab somebody else. Exactly. Yep. And, and that's what I, I was about to say is there were so many picks later on in this draft that were like corner, D-line. I, I, I felt like, I don't know, maybe the, the team has just studied more on non-fantasy relevant players that caused the wide receivers and other positions to fall. But why not take a receipt? Like, especially with the reports that came out on the day of round one about Rogers, why not be like, Hey, we're here for you. Who do you want? And go get that person with the first pick. Yep. 100%. So, not doing themselves any favors over nope, there. No. So, um, Okay, before we move on to the next part of the pod, I would like to shout out our sponsor at FTN. Um, with FTN, you can um, use their tools and continue to win fantasy and win money with their DFS tools. Use the code ASTRO10 and win that money. And then also make sure that you check out our rookie draft guide on fantasyastronauts.com. It's $25. And make sure you check it out. So, moving on from that. Who do you guys think fell enough to be a value in rookie drafts? And you can go super flex. You can go 1QB. I don't care what position you go. But what? who do you think fell to become a value? Uh, Nate, let's start with you. Yeah, so I don't think this guy necessarily fell any farther than I thought he would go. Um, he kind of got the draft crap a lot expected. But... He's being 
extremely underrated. I don't hear anyone talking about him. I think he had a pretty good landing spot. It's Diami Brown. Yep. Uh, I think he was my wide receiver eight uh, coming into the draft. Uh, super talented. He's more than just a field stretcher. He's a guy that you know can get behind the defense, but also I think he has a ability to be an alpha. Uh, he's got a lot of work to get there. Uh, I think he needs to catch the ball through traffic and contact a lot better. But he kind of has that ability, um, not just you know physical traits, but also his route running it really improved this past year. I think he's a guy that projects very well as the wide receiver two across from Terry McLaurin. Um, like he does have that deep speed. He also can be used underneath. He can be used on some uh, screens, some sweeps and stuff like that. And I feel like we're just... I mean, I know there's uncertainty with the Washington football team and their quarterback of the future, but they have Ryan Fitzpatrick chucking the ball yeah, around this year. Totally. So so I don't care about next year because Dimey Brown's gonna get a bunch of targets and a bunch of air yards this year. And then he'll be fine going forward because he's gonna produce this year. Um he's a guy you're not gonna find a lot of guys you're picking up. I picked him up in the third round of a super flex draft uh yesterday. You're not going to find a lot of guys in the third round that are going to be able to give you that kind of production rookie year. Yeah. No. So I think he's an absolute value. So here's my question for you, Nate. You're in a dynasty startup. Rookies are included in the startup draft. Who are you taking first? Curtis Samuel or Deami Brown? Deami Brown. Wow. Um, Why? I liked Curtis Samuel a lot coming into the offseason. But as soon as he went back to Ron Rivera, I lost all the hype because you know, he was great last year. Wide receiver too, right? They were using them across the middle of the field, motion, sweeps, all that kind of stuff. Getting the ball, screens, love it. That's the kind of guy he is. When he was with Ron Rivera, he was just running deep routes the entire game. He was just a decoy. He was just running down the field, trying to get behind the defense to open up space for DJ Moore. And I am very afraid that he's going to Washington to do the same exact thing. He's going to be running those deep routes and that's all he's going to be doing. And then... Dummy Brown's going to come in and uh, I think be used, you know, maybe not immediately the wide receiver too, but I think he has more talent than Curtis Samuel. Interesting. Um, I I would argue with you that Samuel actually succeeded on those routes and is very good at those routes, but his quarterback that year was Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen. Who I don't think could throw it from my patio to the, back of my backyard and hit me in the hands <laughs> so asking him to throw it even further and try and hit curtis samuel is really really hard now yeah. you've got ryan fitzpatrick who can actually throw the ball you know 30 yards down the field at least um so i'm hoping that with that in mind samuel will succeed more than he did in carolina with rivera I'm also hoping that Rivera watched some football this year um, outside of when he was coaching and was able to see that Samuel's more than just a deep route guy. So hopefully he can still have success with those routes that he was doing in Carolina this past year. That's just my hope, though. So I, I get why you would take De'Ami Brown there. Um, but for me, it's Samuel. Fox. Yeah, if Samuel was used the same way he was used last year, then I'm all about it. But I just, I don't have the faith for Ron Rivera to do that. I think he's going to stick him into the same role that he drafted him for. Um, and 
with that being Curtis Samuel's role, I'm assuming that they didn't draft a guy in the third round to do the same exact thing. So, yeah. So Fox, what do you, what's your thoughts on that? On Brown? On Brown or Samuel in a startup? Oh, I'd take Brown. Okay. Interesting. Well, I'll be outvoted here then. Um, <laughs> with that being said, Fox kind of tying into tying last names to each other. <laughs> who is your um, person that fell enough? Oh to man. It, it's Amon Ross St. Brown for me. I, I, I loved that. He went to Detroit. I hate you for this. Do you know why? Because I beat you to it too. Yes. <laughs> hey, after last week, I didn't want to be the odd man out. So I, I hopped in real quick and put all my down. No, this, this one was my absolute favorite. Um, I mean, he's got nobody to beat out other than he's got Quintus Cephas, yeah, Quintus Cephas. Williams, and yeah. Cephas uh, and Brown are probably two of like my favorite receivers to target right now. Yeah, yeah. I so, mean, I, I like Amin Ra a lot because of Jared Goff. Yeah, you know, I think he just Cooper fits up. Jared Goff exactly. Well, yep. when we talked last week, I was very nervous about Goff's situation, and then. You know, post draft, I I love it. I mean, I, he's even a quarterback I would target at this point, or a, a quarterback that I have shares of that I'm now not as worried about because he's got exactly what he needs. Um, I mean, th- this is my favorite. Like, if I can, I've noticed he's not going as late as the third round, but if I can get him in a late second or middle second, like that's, I, I think the value is going to be huge there. I traded up today to get him in a uh, in the super in the multiverse league. So yeah, I, I had to in another league because I I knew he wasn't going to make it. I had the two. So Nate, I had the two ten and the two twelve, and I traded. Um, I actually traded probably a lot more than I should have, but Tyrod Taylor, Latavius Murray, and the two ten to move up to the two hundred eight to get St. Brown. Yeah, well, those guys are just like. I don't think it was terrible. Fodder anyway, so so. The, the thinking that I had behind this was, at best, Taylor is starting this he, this year. I think he gets the whole season. Out. Yeah. Probably. Uh, unless unless he gets a punctured lung. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. No, no doctor's <laughs> visits for him. Um, and then Latavius Murray, I'm a big handcuff guy, and especially in Dynasty. I don't have Kamara in this league, so I was like, I'll ship him to the Kamara owner and see what happens. And then I tried with the 212 originally, and he countered with the 210, and I was like, I don't I don't care. I want St. Brown here. So I am accepted the trade, moved up, and got St. Brown. Yeah, so get I get your guy. 100% agree with you, Fox. I think he's got the talent and the skill to be the wide receiver one in Detroit. Absolutely, oh, absolutely. no in my mind whatsoever. Yeah. I think he can definitely be the wide receiver one this year. I mean, his I like Quintus Cephas a little bit, but his his biggest competition is probably Jonathan Adams, uh, who's undrafted free agent. Yeah. So, you know, going forward, that looks good good for this year. I'm not sure if I feel great about his whole dynasty outlook because I don't think he can sustain being the wide receiver one on that team. They definitely draft. Uh, you know, the already looking towards 2022, the Detroit Lions are like the number one wide receiver landing spot. Um, they're definitely going to have to grab someone Uh, and quarterback. So I'm I'm (laughs) predicting that they're going to keep Sam Howell in blue and draft him through the Detroit lions, you know, being the next Matthew Stafford, he is, 
and uh, go out there and they'll probably grab like uh, a Garrett Wilson or a Traylon Burks, you know, to get that big body receiver yeah. like they like to have out there. So, but Amon Ross St. Brown would be a perfect wide receiver too, you know, to a big guy yeah, like that. So. I totally agree. And and shout out to Dynasty Pat on uh, on Twitter. I've been joking with him since I went on him and Seth Keller's podcast that uh, the Lions are going to be the first overall pick in the draft next year and they're going to take <laughs> some ball. So, um, yep. I've been giving him hell about that. And he was like, what did I do to you, man? And I was like, I'm just bitter about the Packers and I'm taking it out on you. I'm sorry. (laughs) So yeah, I love the landing spot for, for St. Brown. I agree with what you said, Nate. I think at worst next year, he's a wide receiver too. If they draft someone, if not, he's definitely still Mm -hmm. the wide receiver one. So let's move on to the next question. This is all about the running backs. So we've actually got the same five guys. So I'm going to list them off and then I'm going to let you guys read the order and then I'll go. Well, actually I'll start. So the question is, is who is your RB one from this class? And then who, what about RBs two through five? So for me, I've got Harris Etienne, Michael Carter comes in at running back three with the jets. Then it's Javante Williams. And then it's Trey Sermon. So my thinking here was to me, Carter has a clearer path to touches than Javante Williams does. Be, and I we, I know we talked about it, but the reason I, th- I think that is I think Gordon, if he is still there, is going to get a majority of the touches at least for half the season. So until Gordon gets traded or cut, I'm a little bit lower on Williams. Just to, like these two are very, very close. So I really like Carter um, landing with the Jets because he's competing with Tevin Coleman. And LaMichael P. Ryan. Yes, LaMichael P. Ryan. That is my boy. I like LaMichael P. Ryan a lot. I love LaMichael P. Ryan. But I think Carter is better. And I think think Carter's going to end up winning the touches there um, to be the RB3 in this class, potentially. And then Trey Sermon, I've never been a huge 49ers running back fan just because Shanahan uses that running back by committee. But I think he's got a pretty decent path to clear touches next year. This year it'll still be a committee, but the next year it could very easily be Sermon's backfield. And I am I actually have gotten him in a couple of rookie drafts so far, and, and I'm loving it. But clear-cut one-two for me is Harris and Etienne just because of draft capital and, and their talent. So, uh, Fox, you go next for us because you've got a little bit different order than me and Nate. I do. Harris is my number one, uh, but I have I have Carter at number two. Um, <laughs> I actually love Carter and I, I think his spot is perfect. Um, I do like Piran a lot, but I, like you said, I think he wins out the touches. I think he's the more talented. Um, I mean, the draft capital is not as heavy with his, but I still think it does bear some weight, but I, I think he takes the job and I don't know. I, I just like his talent a little bit more there. Um, Williams is my third. I think he, I think he beats out, um, Gordon. If, if Gordon's even on the team to start the season. Um, but that's, that's just a, a touches thing. And for me, I have, um, at the end of four, just because of the split with Robinson, I, that's fair. it's one of those things that I think it's kind of, once you see it, then it's okay. I can weigh one way or the other, but, 
as of right now, I, I think it's a split or Robinson carries the backfield a little bit more. Um, I almost see it as like a Fred Taylor, CJ Spiller kind of thing, or I think both have value, but it pushes him down to me. And then uh, Sermon's my fifth, just the same thing. The, the committee is just too much. I think you're right, Shane, though. I think next year he's got a chance to take that backfield, but I think I it's think just too much going on. Six running backs that they have on the roster. Yeah. Um, are free agents after this year. Right. And, you know, I, I'm not as big of a fan of, of his, but I think he's got a good path to take over. Yeah. Just depending on the season, mainly just because everybody gets hurt there. <laughs> so it's exactly. just whoever stays healthy is your best bet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that's why I like Carter too, is you have Tevin Coleman. I, you know, that's kind of my thinking there too. Like I like Coleman, but I don't trust his health anymore. No. Um, so that's my biggest, biggest concern with, with Coleman and why I think Carter is the RB three in this class. So, um, great stuff there, Foxy. So Nate, hit us with your, your rankings. Yeah. So I also have Harris RB one, um, that was never in doubt. I still have ETN number two. Um, it's, it's one I'm kind of draft pick in the entire draft. (laughs) It's what I'm kind of stuck on. Uh, I think he has a lot of talent. Um, he was my RB2 coming into the draft. I think, you know, he looks great. He has the an, a ton of pass-catching upside, which is, you know, huge in fantasy football. And, you know, even if he only gets 15 touches a game, you know, he's a guy that with those 15 touches, he can do what, you know, like a James Robinson could do in 20, 25 touches. Yep. Um, so I'm not really worried too much about it. I think... Also, the draft capital plays a part where going forward after this year, James Robinson will probably have to be faded into the background just because, you know, you pick a guy in the first round and you're expected to make him the center of your offense. Yep. As much as James Robinson, you know, is has the talent to hold that backfield down, it's just Travis Etienne is just as talented, if not more talented at this point. And... The, has the first round draft capital versus undrafted free agent. You know, we saw it with Philip Lindsay. They go out and grab Melvin Gordon, you know, the, the guy who's, you know, second contract and not looking like a great running back, but, you know, they don't trust Philip Lindsay, even though Philip Lindsay was more than manageable. Yeah. So um, before you continue, small yeah. uh, hint to our listeners go buy Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Absolutely. Yep. Because they invested in that line and they spent the draft capital on him last year. And there's a lot of narratives that are saying Clyde Edwards Alaire is about to ball out. Okay. Interruption done. Sorry, Nate. <laughs> that was a good interruption, though. Um, so, one, two, Harris Etienne. At three, I have Williams because I think the landing spot's perfect. I think I talked about it earlier. You know, he's going to have that job by halfway through the season, you know, going into that second half of the season. I don't think Melvin Gordon's going to be able to hold him off. He's Javante Williams has the ability to be a three down back, you know, and there's just not much competition there with that position with the Broncos. So I'm all about Javante Williams, the Broncos. I think it's a great landing spot for fantasy football that we're not excited about enough, which means he's also going to be uh, a decent value in rookie drafts. So I've seen him go off, you know, 102, 103, but, I think he's probably going to fall more to like 105 in rookie drafts because people like Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts mm-hmm. 
um, in those one quarterback leagues. So Fox and I are in a super ten team super flex league. I made some made a trade. I originally had the one the one hundred nine and the one ten. I ended up trading the one hundred nine. Do you know what the son of a bitch did that had the one hundred nine? He took Javante Williams one pick before me, and I'm a running back needy team. I was so pissed. Well, and that that's where I'm kind of sitting at too, and I don't know if I want to reveal it, but um, just because of our other league, the Fantasy Island, yeah, I have the five and the twelve, or yeah, yeah, the five and the twelve, and honestly, my plan is I don't need receivers. My yeah. plan is to take Carter and Williams. You're not getting Williams. Yeah. And that's my fear is I don't get Williams because I'm taking Carter at five. And I've got the one four in that league, Nate. <laughs> my, my hope was to get Williams in the end. But, you know, because my, my debate was to take Pitts at five and then hope I can grab Carter at 12 or 11. or I'm 12, not 11. Um, and grab Carter there. But I don't think that's going to happen. And I'd rather just die uh, with tight end and just take my running back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's my problem with with the that league too, Nate, is I've got TJ Hawkinson and Irv Smith and a couple other tight ends that have some upside. So I'm like, I don't need Pitts at four. But I don't know if I yeah. want to take Javante at four. But no offense, Fox. I'm probably taking Javante at four just because of team need and, and talent. Hey, I'll so, take it as long as Carter's left over. Yeah, you'll probably get Carter. I can't guarantee Williams. I get one or the other, so I'll take it. Sounds good. It's a good deal. And hey, if at that next pick, if you need a uh, my running back for is Trey Sermon. Nice. Um, I think his fit is perfect with the 49ers. Yeah. I agree that he, you know, isn't gonna have the majority of the touches right away. Uh, you know, Shanahan likes to have a committee, but the third round draft capital is good to me. You know, it seems like they, you know. As long as a running back gets day two draft capital, I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, once you start getting into the fourth, fifth round, that's where you get guys like, I mean, like Josh Kelly last year and stuff like that, where it's just those Aaron guys are replaceable. Jones, bro. I mean, sometimes they break out, but most of the time, it's, they're just going to draft another guy, you know? Uh, I mean, they drafted AJ Dillon in the second round. <laughs> in the Williams. same draft? Yeah. So I like Trey Sermon a lot. Uh, the biggest issue I have with him is just injury history. Mm-hmm. Want to make sure he stays healthy out there. That's something that the 49ers running back seem to all struggle with. Maybe that's with, why they so. like him so much. Maybe. Um, and then this kills me because having my running back five be Michael Carter makes me sound like I'm a hater. But going into the draft, I actually have had Michael Carter as my running back three in this class over Javante Williams. Um, wow. It's I, I love the Michael P. Ryan. I think on Michael P. Ryan... <laughs> This this is this is going to be the discount, uh, the dollar store or like the goodwill version <laughs> of Ingram Camara, <laughs> where well Michael P Ryan is Mark Ingram and Michael Carter is Alvin Camara, but like uh, yeah, yeah like I'd rather have discount rack that, though. <laughs> I think it's going to be a fun offense to watch, honestly, with Zach Wilson yeah, and I agree. Uh, all the weapons they got there, but so. Again, sorry for the interruption, but Zach Wilson is also a sneaky pick in Superflex. Oh, yeah. Even Absolutely. like outside of the top three, he's he's probably going QB4, but I've seen him fall a little bit in the first round in rookie drafts. I If you can get him, take him, because they built that offense for Zach Wilson, I think. Yeah, for, for better or worse, he's this year's Justin Herbert. 
Absolutely. Sorry that said that today. I don't know if it was you, Nate. If it was, you're a flipping genius. If it wasn't, you're basically quote tweeting a, a, a tweet that I saw. So totally agree. I wasn't on Twitter very much today, so me either. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I it sucks that I have Carter as my running back five. I mean, I would put him at RB three. I wouldn't, you know, I don't, I don't hate him at RB two. You know, I think he's super talented. I actually graded him out similar to Clyde edwards uh in their tape score. So nice. I like, I like all this, like the top five. I'm okay with all of them. After this top five, it's all trash. Yeah, I don't want any of it. Um, there's some guys that I would take flyers on in like round three or four of Superflex or round four or five of one QB. Just kind of depends on on what you got going in your draft. But there's some guys I would take flyers on, but I'm not spending high draft capital on anyone outside of this top five. I don't think. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. On the next question is who's going to have the most fantasy impact in year one? On three, we're gonna say who our answer is for Superflex. You ready? One, two, three. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. So um, we all agree on this pick. I think it makes the most sense. Um, he's the 101 in the actual NFL draft. He's going to be the 101 in your Superflex drafts. He's probably going to be – I would say he's probably going to be the only quarterback taken in one QB drafts in the first round. We've already talked about it. He's got the talent. He's got the pedigree. I don't think we really need to spend much more time on it. Is there anything you guys want to add to that? Nope. Nope. He's got a good team around yep. him too. So exactly. So um, just got to hope that urban Meyer catches onto the NFL quickly. Um, yeah. That's my big, that's my, honestly, my biggest concern with Lawrence is, is urban, the urban Meyer factor. So we've seen college coaches try and go to the NFL before and fail. Um, I don't know off the top of my head if we've seen any go and actually succeed. So Pete Carroll. Yeah. That's a very good point, but that's one out of many others who have tried and failed. So that's my biggest concern. Um, and even the great, some of the greatest coaches in college have failed Nick Saban. Um, so just, just some concern there, but then let's move on to who do we think is going to have the most impact in year one in one QB league. So the reason I kind of delineated that is I want to take the quarterback out of it. So, who do you guys think is going to have the most impact in year one? Uh, Fox, I'll let you start. I got Jamar Chase. Um, I think he comes in and makes an instant impact. I mean, reunited, so the chemistry is already there. Um, reunited and it feels <laughs> so good. Uh, you know, I think he I think he comes in and he's your wide receiver one there. No, no questions asked. Um, that offense is solid. I mean, outside of their line, but you know, for, for fantasy, I think he makes an instant impact. Yeah. My biggest concern and why I'm a little Jamar Chase is still the wide receiver one, in my opinion, in this class. And and Nate, you can disagree later on if you want, but my biggest concern with him is that is a crowded wide receiver room now. And I think they're all very talented. Um, so, could but here's the thing: Joe Burrow is probably talented enough, like Dak Prescott, to support three very good. Absolutely. Is any one of them going to be a wide receiver one necessarily? No. But are they still going to produce and get you points? Hell yeah. 
Yeah. Man, I just want to point out that Teddy Bridgewater carried three wide receiver twos basically last year. Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, and DJ Moore? Wow, I didn't even didn't realize that. Mind-blowing, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think Chase is the most talented out of the group, but I, I think I you're right. I think it's – I think one week it's going to be – it's just like you're right, the Cowboys. It's You know, it's one week it's Cooper, the next week it's Lamb, and then yeah. it's, you know, Gallup with – I think it's it's going to be like that where um, I think Chase will be the most consistent, but I don't know if it's going to hit every week. Totally. And the thing that they have over the Cowboys is they don't have a tight end. So that's true. So they've got a little more, a little more ball to spread around to those three and, and Joe Mixon. So, um, and I think they addressed the line later on in the draft, if I remember correctly. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully they can protect Joe Burrow. Um, All right, Nate, I'm going to make you wait and go last so you can wrap us up with the fantasy talk. Um, (laughs) There we go. After I sneeze. Sorry. Bless you. Oh, thank you. Um, My pick is actually Najee Harris. I think that Najee is going to be at worst an RB2 this year. And, I mean, you're getting him at the 101. If you can grab the an RB2 there, depending on how your team is is compiled, you're either get – like, if you've already got good RBs, like, let's say you got Saquon and Miles Sanders or something like that. I don't know. To where you've got – Saquon's going to be your RB1. Miles Sanders probably going to be your RB2 with potential for an RB1 season. And I don't I am not a, a Miles Sanders guy, but he's got I think he's talented enough to to get there. Then you get Najee Harris at the 101. You got a solid floor there because simp, based off of volume, Najee's going to ball out this year in my opinion. So I think yeah. Najee's floor is probably between RB14 and RB20 with a lot of upside just because of his his volume. So I think yeah, no competition. Yeah. And he, he can, he's going to get a lot of touchdowns, I think. Yeah, I agree. Which is what he did in college. So typically when you go to the NFL, you do what you did in college. Najee scored touchdowns. And his pass, like for me, he's an underrated pass catcher. Um, it's not something that I gave him enough credit for in, in my evaluation of him. And then I started watching a little more. I was like, damn, he can catch. He can almost catch like a wide receiver. And that's going to add a ton of value to that offense. And I think them actually having a decent running back versus James Conner is going to be huge for where that offense can go. So, yeah. any additional comments? No, he's pro-ready. I love it. Yep, totally agree. All right, Nate, wrap us up. Who is going to have the most impact in year one for fantasy football in one QB. Yeah. So I'm not a big fan of the quarterback for this wide receiver, actually, but uh, he immediately goes into being the number one option on his team, as well as being my pre-draft wide receiver one over Jamar Chase. It's Devonta Smith. Um, I think Devonta Smith is set up to be the Justin Jefferson of this year. Um, He's that pro ready. He does everything well. He gets open. He can make the contested catches. Um, it's just, 
I don't love Jalen Hurts, but anyone can throw to Devonta Smith. I could throw <laughs> passes to Devonta Smith, and Devonta Smith could score touchdowns probably. I mean, his special talent. He's a special talent, so I'm not really worried about the landing spot. He's obviously the wide receiver one there over Jalen Rager, and yeah. then who else is there? Greg Ward. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's not like Jalen Hurts can't throw the ball. Um, he's still going to have a good amount of attempts. He still has a decent completion percentage. Um, he's not. I don't think he's going to light the world on fire, but it's not like the Eagles have a great team either, so they're going to be playing from behind a lot. Well, 100%. and what I would like to add too is there's some – some chemistry already there. Yep. So I think that's a huge factor. And I, I thought it was a theme of round one of the NFL draft of receivers being reunited with their quarterbacks. Uh, Burrow got chase Tua got waddle uh, and Jalen hurts got Devonte Smith. So I, I like that a lot, Nate. And I think I, and I was talking to either to some Eagles fans or I can't remember who, but we were talking about how, Devontae fits Nick Sirianni's offense. He's very creative in how he wants to use people, and Smith fits that perfectly. And I think you saw that in the the college football playoff this year, especially against Notre Dame. Um, You saw Smith get not get a touch until late in the first drive for Alabama, and then it was Smith, 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 and it was routes out of the backfield. It was a screen. It was routes over the middle. Like, he can do everything – and I think Sirianni knows that, and he's going to use him that way. Yeah, I I, I love Devonta Smith to the Eagles. Um, maybe not the best landing spot in the world, but I think you know there's no competition. So, yeah. so Nate, thank you so much for this conversation. Yes, absolutely. Um, we, are, we are pretty much done with fantasy football. I added something in the show sheet for you and me, Nate, to uh, to jam out, but. Fox is running out of time, so we are going to wrap up with our top five before we hit the last segment. Um, and Fox, I'm just going to let you jam it out, yes. knock out your top five. Um, and the top five this week is our top five favorite locations that we have traveled to. Um, so Fox, knock it out of the park. All right. So and these are no particular order. They're just what I put them in. So um my first one is uh, Eureka, which is in California. Um, it's a pretty much like a empty, like shipping town that has absolutely nothing but like homeless people and rundown buildings. But they have the Lost Coast Brewery, and um, that's one of my favorite beers. We went up there on a. I think we, me and my wife, went up there for. I think two days we drove up 12 hours, 12 back just to go there. Um, and it's absolutely worth the trip. Um, my second is mammoth, which is also in California. Um, been going there since I was a kid. It's one of the most like gorgeous places on earth, especially for skiing and snowboarding. Um, although there's that giant volcano up there now, so everything's dead, but it's still beautiful. (laughs) Um, and then New York been a couple times and that's, I hate crowds, but it's probably one of my favorite places still to go. Um, but probably my favorite is Bryce or Zion in Utah. Nice. Uh, I could go there anytime, and it's probably the best, one of the best places I've visited. And then to finish it off is Yellowstone, um, whether it's Wyoming, Montana, if you can get both, which was fun, standing on the state line. Um, nice. 
just just gorgeous to see everything. So that'd be my my top five. And with that, I thank you guys. Thank Nate, you. It was a pleasure. Fox. Um, I'll talk to you guys later. Yeah. And right. cheers. 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 Okay, Nate. Now that Fox has wrapped it up, what we are gonna do is are yours in order from one to five or five to one? Uh, mine not in a particular order. Okay, sweet. Um, so we'll just start from the top um, and we'll alternate. So I'll let you go first with your first one and then I'll go one, two, and then you'll go two, three, and then I'll go three, four, and then you'll go four, five. Got it? All right. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. That's so uh, the first one I have here and the reason is it is first actually is because I actually got to live here for a year while I was in college. Cool. I got to live in Sydney, Australia, and Sydney is – I mean, well, number one, just being in Australia is just kind of crazy. It's just a crazy place where the spiders and snakes are trying to kill you all the time. And I hate spiders. So, I mean, yeah, I that, that part sucked. Everything else is great, though. Um, Sydney is a very clean city. Uh, it's a very easy city to get around. And, you know, it has like the Sydney Opera House. Um, there's just so much to do in Sydney and in Australia. So, it's just a place that has a very special place in my heart now. Nice. Um, I'm actually going to change things up again. Tell us your second. What's second on the list here? All right. So second is Vienna in Austria. I didn't read right. Uh, Sorry, but close enough. (laughs) (laughs) Not Australia, but Austria. Yeah. Um, uh, Very different place. Uh, I went to Vienna. So my wife and I, for our honeymoon, we went to Europe for um, about two and a half months. Oh, that's cool. Um, it's a hell of a Yeah, so too. we worked. So w- while we were engaged, we were working like three different part-time jobs, each of us. Nice. And we kind of just, you know, went super, super hard. And you know, we worked in like 50, 60 hours a week just trying to save it for the wedding. And we tried to save up enough money that we could go to Europe. And we were had enough money that we could go for about two and a half months. We did kind of like a backpacking thing, you know, yeah. so... No, it's not like we like stayed like in the <laughs> hotels every night, but um, it was it was really awesome. We just quit our jobs and got married and went to Europe. Oh my god! So uh, it was definitely a once in a lifetime experience, and nothing will ever come close to it. But it was the greatest two and a half months of my life. And Vienna was one of the places we were at where I really felt like you know I could have stayed there and lived there. It, it was just awesome. Very cool, very cool. So I'll give you uh, my top. I'll go ahead and give you my top three or not my top three, but just my three on the list. So first one, and this is actually probably the favorite place that I've been is Seattle slash Vancouver, Canada, because we hit it in the same trip. Um, it was me, my dad, my stepmom, and my sister. Um, we went there, I think when I was a freshman in high school and I loved it. Like Seattle was just such a cool city with so much to do. We went to the Pike place market where the first Starbucks is and all that. Um, then we went across the border and went to Vancouver and, uh, actually took a ferry ride over to Victoria. Um, it was just a really fun trip and got to see a, a part of the world that we don't get to see a lot. Cause I'm a, I'm originally from Birmingham, Alabama, pretty well traveled. Um, my dad always took us on trips and, and stuff like that. Um, so like I've been to a, a lot of different places with him and, and that was just one of my favorite vacations just cause it was a different part of the world. Um, yeah. And it was just a really fun, memorable trip. So that's first. Next is also a, a trip that I had made, I made probably every other year from the time I was in first grade to 
when I was a senior in high school with my dad was to Chicago. Um, so his family is originally from South Bend, Indiana. Um, my mom's side of the family is from Kenosha, Wisconsin. They're both Cubs fans, surprisingly. That's the only thing that they agreed on in sports. <laughs> so I love Chicago. Um, it's one of my favorite pl- places to travel just because um, – I don't know. I just love that city. I love the feel of it. Love the food. Love the love the Cubs and and just love yeah. being being there. So um, if I weren't, I that would probably be the one big city that I would live in because I hate traffic and I don't think I could deal with it. But I I could live in Chicago. I think um, third. I've got Tide Tides Folly, South Carolina on here. That was just a fun trip that we went to. It was, it, it was a good beach trip. Um, it was after doing a couple college visits when I was a junior in high school. Um, have a, a memory tied to it that I, I won't share on air. Um, <laughs> but it was, a, it was a good trip. It was me, my dad, and my sister. Um, so just visiting colleges, and then we went to the beach to finish out our spring break trip and, and had a good time. So, um, And I just love the state of South Carolina so much that I moved here. So, uh, yeah. Nate, where is your third favorite place that you've traveled to? Yeah, so uh, this is another place that my wife and I hit up when we were in Europe, and it was Rome. Uh, Rome, my wife and I were both kind of history buffs. Uh, Like, we liked the classics, you know, Greek, Roman history. So going to Rome, I mean, we we got there, and you walk out from the metro, and you walk up, and you see the Colosseum is the first thing you see. Yeah. And it's just, it's marvelous. I mean, like, it's literally like a marvel of the world you know yeah and we were only there for five days in rome Mm -hmm. and we did as much as we possibly could in those five days but you you have to be in rome for at least five years and doing you know tourist (laughs) things every day to be able to do everything that's there yeah there's just so much and then you're walking down the street and you think to yourself oh under this building there's probably a whole bunch of history but it's just under the building now. So like, I mean, yeah. you're walking on history, literally, you know, yeah. it's crazy. Also no, the food, incredible. Uh, I'm sure. Um, I've, I'm working on a little bit of a, a, a beer gut or a dad bod. Um, and on, on day one of our diet today, me and my wife, we've done pretty good. Uh, the, the, the two beers though, that I've had during this probably killed it, but um, done pretty good for day one, but I love food. So I, I feel like I would love going to Italy just to have true, authentic Italian food. Um, yeah. Okay, so what is number four for you? All right, so number four is um, so this is technically Europe, but it's not continental Europe. Uh, yeah. Iceland. So uh, we didn't really go here on this specific trip. We actually, while my wife and I were dating, we went with my best friend and his wife to Iceland. Nice. Um, in the middle of winter in January, so oh, I got good. to see the Northern Lights. Um, yeah, it's the only time you can see the Northern Lights. You can't go in the summer and see the Northern Lights. So, you know, uh, it was awesome, you know, walking around the volcanoes, seeing all the waterfalls. It's such a, it's, you know, people talk about New Zealand being one of the most beautiful places on the earth. Iceland has, you know, its own beauty because it's a place unlike any other place. It's just such a like alien landscape, uh, that you go there and you can never find anything like it again. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And I've heard it's a very, very cool place to visit. Um, and it's kind of funny because I like Iceland and Greenland are like flipped for like yeah. what their actual terrain are. Um, so I, yeah, 
that's a great pick. Um, and you've got some places on here that I'm like, I go visit these. So um, I've done a lot of traveling in my day. I've been very lucky. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so my fourth favorite is one that I go to every year. It's Santa Rosa Beach, Florida, um, in the Panhandle of Florida. My dad has ha- has owned uh, rental houses here. Been going here since I was ten years old, and going to other places in the Panhandle, but specifically Santa Rosa, Florida. Um, it's my home away from home. Like I can go there and know um, exactly where I'm going, how to get there, what good food is, everything. But it's still a vacation, um, and it's still at the beach. So, um, if you can't tell, I'm I'm kind of a beach guy, but love yeah. mountains still too. But definitely more beach over mountains. But um, this place is home away from home, and I've got so many good memories here, um, and a couple not so great, but mostly good memories. But couldn't couldn't have my top five favorite locations without having Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Um, and then last is Carlsbad, California, for me. So my mom's best friend has been in California my entire life, as as far as I can remember. Um, and so we would go out to where she lived in Carlsbad, and I love it. It's the it's just a, a beautiful place. You're right on the you're right near the beach. Um, really good food, and just a lot to do. Um, I haven't been in years, so I, I really would like to go back. Um, but I had my first experience with In and Out Burger there, and I'm Oof, thankful yeah. thankful that I do not live anywhere near In and Out Burger because I would be <laughs> 500 pounds in about three seconds. But yeah, love me some Carlsbad, California. So with that, wrap us up, Nate. Where's your fifth favorite location? Yeah. Uh, so as I said, I've, I've done a lot of traveling. When you asked, you know, what are some things you do outside of fantasy football? I, I mentioned music and I said traveling. Yeah. And I was kind of hoping you would say traveling because, like, it's my flex. Like, yeah. I, I, I flex my travel life. <laughs> um, so it was actually kind of hard to make a top five here. Um, but this last one's Alaska. Um, I've been to Alaska three different times. Oh, sweet. Um, I am super lucky that my best friend growing up, his dad is actually from Alaska. Oh, very cool. Uh, grew up there, and then they moved to Delaware um, because his mom's from Delaware. So my best friend, he lives in Delaware with his family through the fall, winter, and spring, and then his entire family goes to Alaska every summer. Wow. For about four months because they run a commercial – salmon fishing business yep. up there yep so i actually got to go up there for three summers and work catching salmon awesome um how was that? living on the beach it was uh, i like to say it's like deadliest catch but it's not that crazy yeah. um <laughs> my mom wouldn't have let me go into high school if it was like deadliest <laughs> catch um but it, it was really cool um it's definitely an experience unlike anything else because you're you know you living on the beach where there's no electricity uh no really running water you're just kind of like camping out there for like an entire summer yeah and you're catching fish you're working hard and the sun's up the entire time so it doesn't even get dark um it's and the, and alaska's beautiful i mean you got the big mountains yeah. you got rainforest you got just so much and those people are like they're not really american they're just alaskan yeah <laughs> so the product that i sell is a, a pediatric therapy software and our first customer was actually in alaska it's probably about six months ago, I was talking to someone and they actually moved up there to start a commercial fishing business. And then 
<laughs> I think the husband was running the commercial fishing business and then the wife was starting a therapy clinic in Alaska. So it's kind of nice. that you mentioned that because I was like, man, that really looks like the same thing or sounds like the same thing that they just moved there to do. So um, I know that commercial fishing is huge up there. So the fact that you got to work it is, for yeah. three summers has to be just a super cool experience. Um, yeah. Okay. So Nate, I'm throwing you a curveball because it wasn't on the show sheet before we started, but what we have tried to do with our guests. And the reason I was trying to get this on before Fox had to leave was we do a bottle caps wager. So we have our own virtual currency that we've started here at the fantasy nightcap. Who doesn't anymore <laughs> called bottle caps. So what you can do is you can wager between 10 and a hundred bottle caps. All you can wager whatever you want. But basically, this is a bold prediction that you're put planning your stake in right now, and we'll uh, we'll record it, and then if you win it, we'll reward you with some bottle caps at the end of the the 2021 season. So, with that in mind, what is your bottle caps wager? All right. So, does whatever does do you have to take the other side of this wager or is it just no, a bold prediction it's just a bold prediction you can wager between 10 and 20 10 and 100 bottle caps i don't have to take the other side of it but if you get it right you win we'll say 2x your your original wager all right you did throw me on the spot here so i got i got to give a hot take let's see let's do it um and i'll make one too i've made every time we've done this i've made one to to kind of go with whatever our guest says yeah so man you're gonna have a lot of uh bottle caps hopefully right hopefully <laughs> all right um i'm gonna go ahead and just do something with the ravens because you know i was talking about them and Love you know when i win i can come on here and you know make fun of fox do it um i'm gonna say this is gonna be a combined thing here i'm gonna say that the ravens offense has a quarterback one, which is going to be very easy. A running back two and a wide receiver three. Is that bold enough? Yeah, because you got to hit that works. all three. And a tight end one, because that's kind of obvious too, you know. QB but J.K. Dobbins will be a running back two. RB three, Rashad Bateman, wide top 36 run, wide receiver. Three and a tight end one in 2021. Okay, so what's your wager? Um, average wager. Feeling really. Average wager has been twenty five. The highest wager has been a hundred, and I think that's been done twice. Um, I'm gonna go with eighty. Eighty, I like it. Okay, so now now it's time for mine. Um. <laughs> I will go I'm gonna go I don't know how bold I don't think that's bold enough. <laughs> okay, I got one for you and you'll like it, I think. Um Tylen Wallace will outscore Kadarius Tony in PPR in twenty twenty one. I hope you are right. That's a, that's a hot take right there. I like it. I love so doing some more film study towards the end of the pre-draft. I really liked what I saw from Tony, 
Um, I feel like that was a really good draft pick. And and honestly, I might have taken Tony or uh, taken Wallace over Tony in the real NFL draft if it were up to me. So yeah. um, I'm going to go 50 bottle caps on that one. All right. I, I love Tyler Wallace. I could not believe he was still there in the fourth round. When we I picked. know, right? And I'm glad that they went best player available because, I mean, it's you, you keep drafting these wide receivers. They got to hit at some point. And I, I think the scheme is part of what's been holding some of them back. Um, but there's no excuses now. You know, you got Rashad Bateman. You got Tylen Wallace. You yeah. have Marquise Brown. Exactly. You have Devin DuVernay. And you still got Miles Boykin and James Prochet. And they have to cut one of those guys. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be Prochet. And Sammy Watkins. Yeah. For the four games he's healthy. That's generous. Yeah, but he's going to score like 100 fantasy points in those four games. In those so it's four okay. games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Just figure out which ones they are. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I am not going to be Week the one. one that helps you predict those. Um, so before we officially wrap up and finish up this pod, where can people remind us where people can find you on Twitter? Well, yeah. Anywhere. Really. So on Twitter, at Nate NFL, um, I do most of my work over the Dynasty Rewind, which is a podcast. We have a Patreon. It's at Dynasty Rewind. Uh, killing it over there. There's everything. There's IDP. There's Devi. There's rookie rankings. There's articles. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, those guys are such a good group. And I'm, I'm really proud to be part of that. Uh, but not to be you know forgotten is Dynasty Nerds. Um, they brought me on. They got me into this community. I do rankings for them. And I also do articles and videos for Dynasty Owner, which is a pretty cool platform that's like all salary cap. And, you know, it brings a different level of Dynasty fantasy football, like a different challenge. So I was doing a bunch of rookie content for them and we'll continue to do it as we, uh, you know, we all get ready for a rookie drafts here. So, yes, sir. So, Nate, thank you so much for coming on to the Fantasy Nightcap. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Nightcap. You can follow me at FF Shane B and you can follow my lovely co-host at carbon Fox underscore FF. Thank you for listening to the fantasy nightcap where we serve you fantasy advice straight. No chaser. See you guys next week. Cheers.